0: I love you man. I love you too, bud. I love you, dude. I love you, bro Montana. I love you, Holmes. I love you, Bros of Quiddles. I love you, Machacha. I
1: love you, Tico Brohe. Welcome back, guys. Episode number five. Once you get to five, you're basically a professional, so thanks for joining us on this journey. Uh, Across from me is Preston.
0: What up, everyone?
1: And to my left is our very special guest today, Brandon Hampton, a.k.a. At Money, a.k.a. At CEO. That doesn't mean anything to you right now, but it will by the end of the show. What's up, Brandon? What's going on? So we're here with someone many of you may not know. But once you get into some detail, you're going to realize he's been a heavy part of your life without even realizing it. Definitely. So whether it's through Twitter or Instagram. Um, basically, I'll let you do the introduction. I'm wondering if somebody comes up to you that you don't know or you're introducing yourself and they ask you, So Brandon, what do you do for a living? What's your response? What's your elevator pitch to say?
2: Uh, yeah. So, it, it, you know, what's funny is to start off, it's it's like very hard to explain. My wife, who you know, I've been with for ten. Well, I've been doing what I do for ten years, and yeah. we've been together for twelve years. Okay, and she'll call me every once in a while, and she'll be like, "What do you do?" Because she's <laughs> yeah. at, no, I'm dead serious, and she'll, and I'll be like, "Who are you with?" And what are you trying to explain? That's and I'll figure so out good. how to angle it for that. It depends you know, on the context. person, okay. yeah, because we just yeah, I, I'm in the eyeball business. At at the end of the day, if you want the shortest version, I'm in the eyeball business, and I'm in the attention business. So I have a social media agency. Uh, We have a production company. We have a vertically integrated product company. And everything in our business revolves around marketing, social media, and again, attention. And the core of what we do is say, how do we get the most people's attention at once on behalf of a brand on behalf of an individual that's kind of what we do at the core with our agency and our production company is we're creating content and helping that content get people's attention now that could be for an individual or it could also be for a brand like Hmm. one of our clients is forever 21 or it could be an entrepreneur an individual who hires us to help resonate their message and grow their following as well um but beyond those you know kind of core competencies of a social media agency, even though I hate calling ourselves an agency Mm -hmm. because we're pretty unique to what we do. Um, We also have uh, a dozen of our own businesses and products that we own and control. And then we also work with another dozen businesses that we own uh, some sort of stake in to help with marketing and video production and PR and some of the things that we're best at. So we we have multiple businesses that live within our business, but in that ecosystem, the fight for attention, eyeballs, views, and uh, ultimately, you know, conversions is is sort of what our what our business is.
0: Yeah. When did this agency start? When did all of it start happening?
2: So, well, I got started early on social about ten years ago. Okay. Um, there you know it was Twitter, and uh, around the same time that. Uh, Twitter blew up was when Ashton Kutcher and CNN did oh, yeah. the PR. Yeah. The big PR push was race first person to get a million followers. And mm. uh, around that time, Twitter was still blowing up. There was no such thing as an influencer. And it's not documented, but it's safe to say that I was either the first or one of the first social media influencers, because at that time the idea of following somebody that you didn't know personally was completely foreign and weird and Cash. weird. So yeah. It was like, why would you follow some guy who fixes cars that lives in Montana if you don't know him? And you have no yeah.
1: intention of talking to him either. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean
2: pretty much. And and so, you know, everybody had 184 people that they follow and yeah. those same 184 people follow them back. Yeah. It was kind of, it operated in the same mechanism that Facebook did, which was find someone, you know, you become friends with them and then you communicate with them. Yeah. Um, as people began to introduce their own voice and their own content, people started to adapt and say, well, I don't know this person, but they create really, really funny videos on Vine.
1: Oh, Vine. Um, that
2: was kind of one of the big inceptions uh, of uh, of social was like everything kind of rooted from that. But it, it, it also existed in, in like the Facebook ecosystem with Facebook fan pages once those came out, which was kind of post-Twitter era. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of following somebody that was that was that you didn't know personally was unheard of. You, it, it didn't make any sense at that point. Um, so I I, w- I had a built up. It took me about a year and a half, and uh, I built up about a hundred thousand followers on Twitter. Okay. And the reason that I did it at that point was pure and simple competitiveness. I yeah. just wanted more yeah. followers than everybody else. How'd you do it? So I did it with content. Um, I figured out what sort of content resonated. I would go through all of the pages that had any sort of following, 5,000, 10,000 followers. And I would note, here's the type of content that does well. Here's the type of content that doesn't. But then what I would do is I would start to kind of compare and contrast. And I would say, "If, if you make a relatable statement, that was kind of like the epiphany. If you make a relatable statement as opposed to something that only you can identify with. Yeah then you're reaching the masses then other people care. Mm. So it's kind of like the difference the 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 first example that I ever used a long time ago when trying to break this down to my buddies who I also got later to to get into social media as well is like if you say um you know my favorite drink at Starbucks is, and then you go off in this long tangent. You, you know, you know, double sugar, yeah. twenty seven yeah. ice cubes. Like you go, yeah. Just, you joke about, so, but that's real life. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> is, is. twenty seven ice cubes is it, a real thing. It is, it really <laughs> is. And uh, you know, you say that, and everybody's like, "Well, that's your favorite drink. Congratulations!" But if you say, "I hate waiting in line at Starbucks," guess what? Damn! Everybody's going to retweet Girl that. Thing. Everybody's going to favorite. it. Everybody's going to share with it. And now they feel a connection with you because they don't relate to 27 Ice Cubes, but they relate to hating in line at Starbucks. And then they think, well, I hate waiting in line anywhere. So now they're going to respond to you and say, well, I hate waiting in line in general. So um, essentially what I did was I took that and then I made everything that I put out in my content match that same voice of wow. how do I make it relatable to everybody else? Mm. So I noticed a couple gaps. The first gap that I noticed was uh, there was a a huge writing community on Twitter. So you have like the writers of Saturday Night Live. They had eight. 10,000 followers. And at that time getting eight or 10,000 followers was an astronomical he, feat he was big time relating to the fact that you only follow people, you know, personally, nobody knew 10,000 people. So yeah. it was like, they were building a following that was outside of their core group. Mm. And, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of big writers. And I noticed that there was people writing a lot of puns. Mm. Uh, they have this whole community built around these, you know, ironic punny sort of, yeah. uh, Jokes and, and stuff like that, and um, I went and did a little bit of research and found out, and I noticed that there was a huge gap. And I started to think about all the comedians that were successful, and I and and it's kind of like you have you have your Seinfeld, right? Yeah, you have that kind of style, but then you know Larry David comes out with uh, Curb, yep, and that's you know kind of his answer to like a more aggressive version of Seinfeld, where you still have the same kind of dry sense of humor that um a lot of people relate to yeah. but then he just made it super aggressive and offensive yeah. <laughs> and i noticed that there was a whole lot of seinfeld and there wasn't a lot of curb on twitter so i uh. went to the extreme and i was posting you know uh, at that time george lopez was very popular yeah. uh tosh uh daniel tosh yeah. was coming up chris rock and everything was about race and everything was about Uh, you know, gay and everything was about um, just stuff that people didn't really want to talk about. So I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about this stuff on Twitter. Yeah. So I, I became obsessively involved in pop culture and anytime something happened, I was the first to put out a joke about it and I was the first to touch on it because that's one thing that I found out later as well is not only is, is relatable important, but current events, time timing is everything. When it comes to a tweet, if somebody falls on the red carpet, uh, and then they insane. open up Twitter to read yeah. about it and you already have a joke out you, it's going to go viral or it's already gone viral by the time that they open that the up The
1: speed of memes yeah. today especially with sports is just the wildest thing to me And I remember like on Twitter
0: it was forget what Super Bowl but do you remember it was the Niners and the Ravens mm. and the the power outage went out and I, remember, I was I was at the game and Oreo tweeted something that went viral about and it was just like an ad like oh since like with this break in the game I like, did some funny joke about the lights going out but the tweet got
1: like Because everybody's watching it, which obviously you understand because all eyes are on there, so that's easily the most relatable thing at that moment in time. Also, before we go on, Twitter name for Brandon is at... CEO? Yes. Okay, just making back sure. Back then, it was your
2: fave white guy. It was a picture of me. Still true. It was a picture of me sitting on the toilet in Vegas. Oh, yeah. And yes. I would use that as like, yes. I mean, obviously, that gets people's attention. It's oh, like yeah. like a yellow background and me sitting on a toilet. And then all of the jokes kind of matched that image. Okay. and uh, But yeah, timing was very important. I, I mean, you can go back historically and look at all, and you, there's a way to organize them on this this one site. And you can look at all my jokes, and all of them are... Timing related It's not Like there's a lot of funny stuff In there that's generic And kind yeah. of evergreen But a lot of the big ones Like for example When Bin Laden got killed Yeah I was a, one of the very first people at CNN's tweet was like It was like On the aging It said 50 seconds ago bin Laden, bin Laden dead And I put a tweet out At the 60 second mark So a minute after Something mm. broke just I just already had my t- all, all I put was uh, Waldo one Bin Laden zero Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And and it got you know, 10,000 retweets that day because it was, it was one it was of the first, first, and it was current. Do you remember the first time someone stole your content? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, you, like what was it? What happened? And on uh, what platform was it?
2: It was on Twitter. Okay. Um, I, there was this guy, and I actually, what's funny is him and I became friends later, but we were <laughs> yes. like mortal Twitter enemies back in the day because <laughs> I, I, would, I would put out two or three original jokes a day. I was competing with and winning against the entire writing community. Mm-hmm. Um, like one guy that I that I would write uh, jokes and and kind of compete against was this guy. He he was a writer for Family Guy, and it was like he was the ultimate like guy mm-hmm. on Twitter when it came to the comedy scene. And I was competing with him for followers. And uh, I, I remember you know somebody just like, hey, this guy's a lot of good content. I'm gonna just go back, copy and paste all of his shit and. I'm yeah. going to win. <laughs> yeah. And he did. He he grew, you know, he grew to 100,000 followers. Just to give you guys some context. When I had 100,000 followers on Twitter, mm-hmm. which was again, you know, maybe 8 or 9 years ago, Kendall Jenner had 400,000 followers at that time. Damn. And so she it was like even put anything into it. No, I mean she just she just you know I think they were you know fifteen or sixteen at yeah, the they're young something still crazy like I don't even know maybe they were younger than that right? right yeah, you were, were within early that early twenties
1: that maybe. family the six digit family. Yeah, in regards to I mean, Twitter.
2: Yeah, I mean when it, when I hit it at that time it was a big deal. Nobody yeah. had that. Yeah, especially if you weren't a celebrity or a brand. They no, were just, exactly.
0: Yeah. They were just on the show at the time. And I think that's the only pool they had, really, because they were young and they were on the... But, Ke- but
2: Kendall and Kylie had no exactly. following, no... I mean, they were... They were little the girls. Young daughters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's kind of how early it was. But then this guy comes along, starts stealing all my posts. And mm-hmm. then um, I think he grew to 100,000 in less than half the time that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I just learned that I can't really do anything about it. I just got to be first with the the stuff. I got to be best. And then of course it's documented if anybody or a timestamp. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you stole this guy's joke. I'm like, I can revert back to the old post which was dated, you know, 1 hour or 1 day yeah. before mm-hmm. or is stealing my evergreen stuff and using it over and over and over. Um, but it just it happens and you can't really do anything about it. But I almost think like you guys said like people are so quick with the memes. I almost feel like relating to the Super Bowl as an example. If you're the merchandising company, you don't wait to see who wins. You make championship gear for everybody. So I feel like there's some guy out there that's photoshopping the crying Jordan face on LeBron. And then he's putting it on Curry. And then whoever wins, that's the one he puts out. Exactly. Like, you got to be that efficient.
0: So when you're trying to get 100,000 followers during that time... Were you making any money doing that at all?
2: No, no, no. I was do, I was doing it just... I, I I did not see this as a business, and I didn't see how it could be a business. That wasn't even a thought in my mind. It was, this just, was
1: just your competitive
2: spirit I, coming out the I have a sales bloom. background, and everything that I did in sales was about where do you rank compared to everybody else, and I had to always be first. Yeah. And I wanted to be first in this too, and I was. I got a lot of followers really fast, and uh, I, I just maintained with that. Then what I noticed is... After comedy, or along with comedy, what got even more engagement, I felt like it wasn't as, as engaged, but it got more engagement. Yeah, People could relate to the comedy and they go a little bit more in depth, but a lot of quotes, truisms, love, relationships, yeah. dating, that stuff hit big. I mean, I'm talking about if I put out a really, really good piece of content, I would get 1,000 retweets, and at that time, nobody had 1,000 retweets. Yeah. Um, this love stuff would get 3,000. So I noticed I found a guy doing it, and um, he was posting the jokes on his page. I mean, I'm sorry, the the quotes on his page. Fast forward a little bit. A buddy of mine actually here in Fresno says, hey, you you use Twitter a lot. I got this username that I haven't used in a while, at Dave Chappelle. Do you want it? You're always posting about comedy. Do you want the username Dave Chappelle? And I was like, wait, like no underscore, no numbers, no nothing. It's, it's Correct the name. spelling? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I took it over and I was like, I don't know what to post on this account yet. So I'm just going to post some of my old jokes. Mm-hmm. And that was like the holy grail move because oh, what happened is my joke that I made up, my original comedy, is getting a thousand retweets if it's good. Well, how many did it get from Dave Chappelle? 5,000. Because people at that time since it was so early I mean
1: was verified even a thing at that time
2: yeah it was it was but it wasn't predominant but that and was it, the
1: beauty of the whole platform because you had no way of dick is this him or not that he said oh that's his name that's
2: his picture that's him well it's it's something funny it's coming from him yeah. and you don't have to hear him say it you're reading it but in your head you're like you're trying to pick, imagine him saying that so it becomes funnier in fact, Five or ten times funnier than me, apparently, Yeah, because <laughs> even though it's my to. content, they're associating that joke with him, and it's automatically magnified. So what I did was I built that page up in about six months to over 400,000 followers. Mm. Very quickly expedited it because it was – the I, I, I called it the Dave Chappelle effect, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go compete with this other guy who's getting more followers than me. He's posting quotes. Well, he, he made the mistake of he's, he's doing what I did with comedy. He's posting as himself. Who is the Dave Chappelle in his category? So what I did was I did a bunch of research, tried to find a character, and it wasn't a character. It was a movie, The Notebook. Yeah. So I changed the name of a page to Notebook. It had zero followers. I started posting on it. It got 17,000 followers in the first week. Then the Kardashian family somehow found the page and followed it. And then they reposted it a couple times and it went from 17,000 followers to over 100,000 in the first couple weeks. And then shortly after, the page hit a million followers. So that was the equivalent, I mean, to multiple extents Mm -hmm. of what I did on the comedy page with the Dave Dave Chappelle page on the love category and the quotes category is – the guy posting it was cool, but the notebook posting it was cool.
1: That's that's the source. Yeah, like, that's where all love comes from. The people's exactly. eyes. Do you
2: still have your hands in that account? You know what? I I own it, but it recently Twitter did this huge sweep of accounts, and they just deleted yeah. like, hundreds say, of I accounts. I yesterday, like just that's what I, I was trying to there. look for it the other day too. Hundreds of accounts deleted. How many? And, how many accounts do you currently? I mean, actively. I still, actively yeah, I still tweet have about, about thirty-five million followers between all the accounts that I have. Um, but that one accounted for about seven million of those because it has seven million now. Okay, they, it was one of the four or five hundred accounts that Twitter deleted in a sweep. What insane. they consider to be generic accounts that don't represent a person or a business, just aggregated content uh, being yeah. reposted. So it's not a huge part of my business anymore. But that was kind of like what propelled the business because what happened was when it got a million followers, brands started reaching out and saying, "Hey, you have a million followers. Look to be all girls." Why don't you post our women's clothing brand? And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. So I have women followers. I kind of got it. I kind of understood it as like to to operate like a magazine. You put out a specific piece of content in a magazine, let's say fitness and health magazine, and you're writing about health and fitness. And then advertisers, supplement companies, weight loss companies, exercise machines come to you and then they want to advertise because they know who your audience is. Mm. So I was like, okay if people were going to approach me because I have women, why don't I get a little bit more specific? So I started creating pages in all the major categories. I started researching what industries are the biggest and where do advertisers spend the most money. So I started a fitness page, and then I started a beauty and skincare page, and then I started one around shoes and one around weddings. So I started creating all these different categories, and then I slowly started to build a targeted following around each one so that if a brand came to me later... um, you know, Nike, they're not going to go advertise with random 1 million followers. They're going to go to my fitness page that has targeted people who care about health, fitness, wellness, nutrition. Yeah.
1: Um, In regards, you touched on it earlier, like a, a social media influencer, whether it's on any of the platforms, the three major ones out there. Is there a textbook definition you could... Describe in regards to people that don't even know that, one, what an influencer is or that they even exist. And then also, do you have a set standard to consider someone an influencer, like a set amount of followers, type of content to even consider them worthy enough of you know being approached for advertising opportunities?
2: So I think that there's a lot of different definitions for an influencer because I guess it depends on your uh, – what you're trying to accomplish, right? So if you're yeah. if you're reverting back to Nike, if you're Nike, you want somebody with a lot of followers that cares about fitness, that cares about nutrition. Um and and maybe you say, "Well, we want somebody who has at least 50,000 followers." You know, there's the the what's really hot right now is what's called a micro-influencer, okay. 10 to 75,000 followers. Yeah. Very popular right now because the engagement level is so insane. Because they're getting people who are passionate about them to follow them, not just wide, like anybody you can get. You get these influencers that have 10 million followers, like you don't have 10 million yeah. diehard fans. It's very hard to get 10 million diehard fans, yeah. you know. Um, I define an influencer a little bit differently because when you're talking about a brand campaign for social media, that's completely different. But I think influencer means a lot of different things now. I think that there's influencers on social media. But I also think that there's influencers at schools, you know. What yeah. is the what is the the quarterback, you know, what brands does he wear or what does he drive or you know, the the prom queen, like what brands does she like. Like that stuff actually matters. You're talking yeah. about the high school level or college? High school, college, okay. I mean anything. True. I mean I think I think groups of friends have influencers. Yeah. If you have if you have ten people in your friend circle and you have a group chat going with all your buddies, because most people do, yeah. I have a group chat with my friends. If I say, uh, you know, let's go watch the World Cup this morning at eight AM and someone says, Great, where do we go? And someone says Buffalo Wild Wings, and I say, No, let's go to this restaurant instead, I'm an influencer. Mm. whether we you know or or the person who said Buffalo Wild Wings and got us to go there and earn them eight people's business that morning because they didn't want to go to a Mexican restaurant instead yeah. that person is an influencer. Okay. And I think that there influencers have always existed but social media kind of opened up our eyes to how it operates. I mean if you if you look at, you know, I know I know some influencers that don't even have social media but for example, if we come across a business opportunity and we're, we're going to raise some money. Let's say we want to raise half a million dollars for a company that we're working on. There's influencers that we have that are like influ- they're, they're, uh, influencers of investors. And they can bring deals to people and say, I endorse this company. I, I'm thinking about investing myself. And then all sorts of loads of money come this way because that person influenced their decision. So I think it goes way deeper um, from from the definition of what's an influencer because you don't have to have a lot of followers you just have to be very impactful with the people that appreciate your opinion and yeah. it also goes to another example that i use sometimes is like the days of michael jordan being the brand ambassador for hanes are over that's true they got michael yeah. jordan you know if you if you're Gatorade or you're Nike great get michael jordan but if you're hanes why do you have michael jordan he has nothing to do with fashion yeah. so who's who's going to take that place well, it's the guy on YouTube that has only eleven thousand followers, but he has eleven thousand followers that are very targeted, and they follow him for advice on fashion and men's basics. Yeah, why, why would you not go with that guy? That's that's
1: wild to think about. I
2: mean, I didn't even consider that Ford. You know, uh, yeah. you don't just randomly go out and get somebody with you know ten million followers to be a Ford ambassador. Go on YouTube and type, uh, you know ford auto repair and then there's going to be a guy who has twenty six thousand followers that are diehard ford fans Mm -hmm. and all he does is fix up old ford vehicles and that's his specialty is that one uh line of automobiles and that's the person that you're going to want as a brand ambassador because your community knows and recognizes and appreciates that person and And
0: they yeah and they have like this connection like you mentioned these micro um influencers and i feel like i even have friends who follow these micro influencers that maybe have 10,000 to like 80,000, but they have this personal connection to where like, Oh yeah, that's my friend. And like, there's this engagement and they're always commenting. And like, then you have this like community of people that are following this one person Mm -hmm. that are watching every single step that they're doing. And they're going to act on any type of promotion that they do.
2: It's easier also for them to manage the community when you have, you know, if you have 10 million followers, um, it doesn't matter if you're an Instagram model That posts ass pictures Or if you're a major business influencer You can't manage 3,800 comments Or 10,000 comments on every photo Like Selena Gomez can't manage her audience yeah. But if you have 10,000 followers And you get 140 comments On something Or if you get 8 comments on something Guess what? You can respond to every single one And that's where the personal connection comes from And that's why people with smaller audiences Have better engagement As relates to percentage wise As relates to conversion Is because that they're capable of managing That community because you don't feel Like they're so out of touch
1: Do you believe in hashtags? I feel like it's a very fine teeter-totter line I feel like some people just get run away with it Some people don't do enough Is there power behind them?
2: I use them on occasion Um, I would say that if I was starting with zero today and I didn't have any resources, that I would definitely start using hashtags. I feel like it's a good kickoff point, but I don't think that I would attribute any of the success that we've had, whether it's for a client or for my own pages, I wouldn't attribute any of those to hashtags. Mm -hmm. I think using them is important for indexing, but I also feel like the same way. is like if you pick a very popular topic, for example, if I eat, you know, I, I eat vegan, I eat a plant based diet. So if Mm -hmm. I go and hashtag plant based, there's, you know, 8.3 million (laughs) hashtags that are going to come up under vegan. How's anybody going to find mine? Yeah. But if I hashtag something more specific, I say like hashtag plant based Fresno, maybe then I get somebody's attention and the 32 hashtags that exist in this community, somebody's going to see all of them. So yeah. I think that they can be useful for indexing purposes. I know that Instagram algorithm prefers people when they use hashtags, but they don't abuse them. You know, Instagram, Instagram has a technology that can literally read your images and translate what they are. If you post a picture of a hamburger and you hashtag it um, fashion, yeah. they're going to block the post on the algorithm. What? They know that it's a burger. That's wild. So, what what happened was you went through this huge phase where everybody was like a hashtag whore. Yeah, exactly. That's why I bring it up. Every every big hashtag, hashtag technology, hashtag news, hashtag food porn. And it's like, what do you mean food porn? That's a selfie that you took in the mirror. Exactly.
1: But they're utilizing those popular ones because they're trying to, in their eyes, drive in the audience. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't work. That's so cool. Yeah. What do you feel? What's your position on those people that purchase followers? there's no, no i feel like there's no benefit whatsoever to that besides an image because in regards to the engagement that you were talking about yeah. those fake followers don't engage with you at all Correct. and so there's no benefit
2: whatsoever well it's it's like it's like saying that it's like saying that uh well here, here's here's an analogy right so if you if you buy followers not only is it just for looks but also the potency is not there like if you have a million people that follow you and they're all fake and they're all purchased followers yeah. but then only you know 9000 of those people are real and you're a musician when you put an album out how many people are going to buy your album you know i mean you're going to yeah. go triple plastic like <laughs> you're, like you're not there like nobody's there to buy it right you're not going to sell out a room um you're only lying to yourself and and i always <laughs> I was explained to businesses, especially businesses and and people of influence, or who want to be people of influence, are, are the biggest uh, you know, culprits in in this game. Is if you're a sandwich shop in Boise, Idaho, what do you care if you ever have a million followers? Yeah, because mm. your market's you,
1: only in that town.
2: Do you do? You, would you rather have a million followers, or would you rather have sixty one hundred followers? Of all people that live in a two mile radius and buy sandwiches from your restaurant, like if yeah. you're, it depends. It depends on what you're after. Like, why would you care if some guy in Delaware follows you? That's like Boise, Idaho sucks. I would never go to Idaho. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's 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 literally what you get when you try to go too wide. If you're a business, especially, who cares if you have ten followers? Maybe they all spend ten million dollars a year with you, and you have ten mm. clients. Yeah. Great, great problem to have. Who cares what the aesthetics are? People are caught up in the follower count. Like, just worry about what those what those followers do for you, or even don't even worry about the followers and just say, How many customers do I have? How much money is the business making? Like those are better metrics. If you're, you know, an artist and you have a hundred thousand followers and you can sell fifty thousand copies of your album, guess what? Somebody with a million followers might not even sell 50,000 copies of their album. Just worry about how engaged the audience is. Again, if you fix Ford vehicles mm. and you are on YouTube, great. Get 25,000 subscribers for that niche. Like that's super, super, super engaged and that makes you a huge influencer. What yeah. do you care if some guy who also owns some type of car and you know used to work at a mechanic shop eight years ago follows you? That's not useful. So yeah. always be worried – about the depth of the following, not necessarily like how wide it goes.
0: We, I feel like, yeah, Instagram in general, like we get so t- like tied up in the followers and like, like the actual number. But if you actually go like, even on my personal Instagram, like dude, I could probably find like two, 300 fake like mm-hmm. people that will never like one of my photos, but they just try to follow to get another follower. Mm-hmm. The classic
1: follow for a follow <laughs> line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, those with the, would you say the three popular brands, because I keep referencing that way, would be Snapchat, not Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? Do you consider Snapchat in there? And if so, the lifespan of those. Do you think any are going away soon? Do you think any are going to pass up the other soon? Is there another one that's coming that we need to give a heads up for?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Snapchat is definitely in that game. Mm. YouTube is also really big. Yeah. Um, you also have Pinterest you know some i mean it, it really it really what really matters is what are you using it for um if if you're into politics and you want to you know win over your audience go engage with them on twitter Like yeah. you don't need a pinterest account but guess what you don't need a twitter a twitter account if you're uh, an interior decorator so it really just matters like what what you're doing if you you know i mean i, I, I mean you guys are definitely overlooking another one podcasting is a social media site you have subscribers the same way you would have followers people can leave comments people can leave reviews they can share it with their friends anything that anything that gets people's attention is i I don't even think it's social media anymore i hate the term social media it's just media that's true i mean if if uh if an influencer on youtube can go out and get a billion views on youtube in a year guess what there that's not even that's not social media that's not media that's new media like yeah. you're putting the t v networks to shame they the t v networks go by ratings of like a one rating, a two rating, a three rating. All that means is how many millions of people watch the show back in the day, you get a show that's uh rating two or three, they'll put you off the air. but now, if you get a rating of one or two like you're a superhero that yeah. means a million views. I know people that record selfies while they're still in bed and they'll record a video and they get a million views on the video. Yes. And there's no production team, there's no mm. $80,000 Sony red camera, there's no lighting union like they're just filming in their bed. And they take it for granted because it comes easy to them. They just they have a following now and they're used to getting a million views or if it only gets 800,000 they freak out. But like the TV networks are looking for that next big thing that'll get them a 1 or 1. 1.5 rating. Some of the biggest shows that have been around forever, like I don't know what the rating is, but I would imagine Dancing with the Stars doesn't get more than two or three million views. But guess what? The family YouTube channel for some people that I can't even name get three or four million views per video. <laughs> so I mean, again, though it's it's very different and it's changed a lot. What social media platforms are popular is all about um, who you are and what your goals are, and I, I think that you use each platform different than you use the next and that's what kind of makes them different. I don't think that any of the majors are going to die out. They just have too much money. Yeah. They're they're, you know, Facebook had the opportunity to quote unquote go out of business multiple times and all they did was pivot. They're smart. They're yeah. willing to identify MySpace made the problem of not wanting to pivot, not wanting to adjust when yeah. Facebook came out. Facebook would do something innovative, MySpace wouldn't copy them. And it's not about ego at that point saying we're going to come up with our own ideas just to sustain you know like they offered facebook offered oh, facebook slash instagram offered snapchat. to buy snapchat yeah. for i don't know six billion i think mm-hmm. and the guy's like fuck you at a zero <laughs> and he wrote a book about it too yeah yeah he did now should That's he have the took ultimate it? denial right should he have took it in my opinion here's what i think he should have took it here Here's the reason I don't like like when someone comes to me and they're like it's like Instagram but better or it's like it's like YouTube but better or it's yeah. like Facebook but better it's not it needs to be your own brand well not only does it need to be your own brand but it's not better because what what you see as a new platform Facebook sees as a as as a feature mm. like like Instagram stories is the perfect example they tried to buy Snapchat Snapchat said no and they said okay great. Instagram stories. That wasn't the first. That was a, like the first main one that people noticed. But do you guys know what the first one was? Um, I want to try and think and figure it out, but I feel it, like I'm not. It's highly overlooked. Yeah, it was a very simple change that Facebook made that nobody even really noticed, but it put an entire company out of business. That was that was huge. Okay, I got to hear it now. Foursquare.
0: Oh my gosh. What did right.
2: Foursquare do? Foursquare was I mean Foursquare was gamified check-ins. Yeah. You would go oh. you would go and you like yeah. you'd be the, the mayor of the Burger King bathroom because yeah. you go to Burger King and you check in there eighteen times. <laughs> and then if someone checks in nineteen times, they overthrow you. And it was gamified. And people would every place you would go, you open up Foursquare, yeah. you check in, and you leave a comment. And then what you would do, so here here's how the order of things used to run. You go sit down at a restaurant, you check in. You take your picture. Fo- you check in on Foursquare. Mm-hmm. You take a picture of your food. Post it on Facebook. Now, Facebook said, "Well, we should buy Foursquare." That didn't happen. So they said, "Okay, great." Facebook check-ins. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> now here's the, here's here's why that works. They already have all the users. Yeah. They already have all the users. You can't win against them in a, in a feature game, where your entire product is a feature to them because they already have the users. It's like, imagine if. Uh, Imagine if you, you have Walmart on one side of town and you have a company that sells hair products on the other side of the town. And Walmart doesn't sell hair products. Well, if you get a lot of business, guess what they're going to do? They're not going to buy you and they're not going to say, well, we lost that game. They're just going to say, well, if you're coming here for strawberries and you're coming here for toilet paper and you're coming here for you know uh, wax for your car, you're coming here for everything else except for hair products, guess what? Walmart hair products... They're just going to put you out of business. Now somebody's going to say, why am I going to drive all the way across town for this one thing that I could just get here? Which is why Amazon is winning and everybody's going out of business. Toys R Us is going to go out of business. Why? Because Amazon sells toys. And if I'm already ordering my batteries there and I'm ordering a new cover for the food in my microwave there, why am I going to go check out at a separate site for something else? The one-stop shop that adds convenience wins all. So if I'm already on Facebook and I'm never leaving – And the only reason that I ever open up Snapchat is to post a story, add stories to Instagram. So that's how they won that game. It took took Snapchat 12 to 18 months to get their user base, and it only took Instagram stories between two and three months to pass them in the number of daily active users of Instagram stories because they already had – the base of users, and all they had to do was offer that as a feature.
1: Well, what's wild about the Instagram stories now is nobody even looks at the pictures anymore. I feel like more times than not, those are at the top of the screen for a reason because mm-hmm. you're going to power through those. You just learn every one single day without even having to scroll down.
2: Yeah. And I mean, th- and that's the point of it is that th- the reason that Snapchat, by the way, like the reason because every platform offers you something different emotionally. Yeah. What Snapchat offered you was a look behind the scenes and a look at what's raw and real. So if you are Kim Kardashian and you want to post a photo on your timeline, you're going to get you know, an a, a expensive camera and a photographer and you have your makeup done. And then someone's going to Photoshop it 81 times and then it's going to go on your feed. Mm-hmm. But Snapchat, Kim's posting a selfie with a filter on just like we do. And she's showing what she's eating just like we do. So it made celebrities and influencers relatable. Again, back to the first, you know, kind of epiphany that I had on social media. It made them real again. It's like, oh, I eat food too. Or you're, you're posting a picture, John Legend's posting a Snapchat of him watching the NBA finals. Oh my God, I'm watching the NBA finals. I am John Legend. Yeah, like that's kind of like <laughs> yes. that's literally what it did. Is it made celebrities real people instead of seeing, you know, again an actor on stage at the Grammys photoshopped. You're seeing the green room with them hanging out with Ellen and Barack Obama. Like you're, you're getting to see the raw stuff, which is what people cared about. Um, so that's why it took off in the first place. So now you're offering that to scale. Mm-hmm. You're, you're seeing what your friends are doing without having to text them and see what they're doing. You know where they are because they just checked in on Facebook check-ins and then they're posting on Instagram stories what they're doing, who they're with. So everything is there at your fingertips. And again, it's just a feature change for Facebook because they have the money, the developers, the resources to be able to go and implement those. So there is no such thing as a Facebook killer. It's just anything that you can do is a feature to them. Now, the only advantage that Snapchat has, and this is what I think keeps them alive, is that they were very smart and they spent, I think it was $15 million, to buy the patent for geo-fenced filters. Instagram cannot do that. Instagram can do filters, but if I'm getting married,
1: Uh, only on Snapchat can they
2: say, Brandon's wedding fence it into a certain certain GPS coordinates. So if you walk anywhere in the hotel venue where I'm getting married, it'll have my Snapchat filter. Snapchat can do that, and Instagram Mm. can't. That's the only thing that makes them unique. So now what they're doing is if you go to your maps you can click on where people are at and people can leave reviews and people it's kind, they're kind of going hybrid of like location based filters plus Yelp, Yelp almost in yeah. a way but like crowdsourced data. So they're they're kind of shifting their model cuz they're like well what we did as our bread and butter Instagram just straight up stole from us and now they have more users than us. We lost that fight. We can shut down, we can sell to them or we could just pivot and they're pivoting cuz they have money and resources, but I think that you know, should they have sold for six billion? I don't know. You know, that's that's yeah. more of a that's more of a the founder's quest to make his own statement. Um would he have been a sucker if he sold or is he a sucker if he gives up? I don't know, like who knows? Yeah. That's, that's just all personal preference. But I think again, competing with Facebook where you're offering something that they can offer as a feature and that's your entire business you're the hair product company that Walmart's just going to put out of business. Yeah.
1: What are the features do they have that we didn't even realize they not took but adopted from other companies?
2: I mean, any change that Facebook makes is for a reason. And like Facebook video. Facebook video is a huge one. So Facebook didn't even care about video. They prioritized text as number one. And then when photos came out, they were like, if you post a photo, you're going to rank really high in the algorithm and we're going to show that photo to everybody. Then video became a little bit popular. But then what they realized is they started collecting user data. They started collecting cookies on people. And they came up with a startling figure. So when people click a YouTube link from mm-hmm. Facebook. By the way, when somebody's gone from Facebook, like if they're on Facebook an extra minute a day. We're talking about you know collectively between all the users. If you add one minute to every active user's Facebook today, you're talking about. Tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Just from one extra minute per person that uses Facebook today. Tens of millions of dollars in revenue. How pissed were they to find out that when someone clicks a YouTube link on Facebook, that that person is gone for 18 minutes on average? Mm. It doesn't even matter if it's a 60-second YouTube video. Because then they find another video and they click on it? You You click an interview... The domino because, effect, man. Well, I mean, you're it's, it's worse. Bowl. It's the YouTube effect. You, yeah, they got you, their own name, yeah. Well, this is what you're doing. is you, you watch a interview for, you know, the, the Warriors win the finals. You go watch the Steph Curry interview. Then it shows you Steph Curry as a baby. Then it shows you other baby videos. And then, like, 17 minutes later, you're watching a baby giraffe being born. Yeah. <laughs> and then We've you're like, holy there. shit, what happened? You go back to Facebook. But now, take the daily active users, hundreds of millions of people. Yeah times 18 minutes you're talking about i mean you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars a year in advertising revenue so what they said was anything that is stealing attention from us that is our biggest enemy it's taking someone away from youtube for one minute or more multiple minutes is like walking into target and just putting a bunch of your shit in the pocket or in your pockets and walking out Yeah, you're you're literally taking money from them when you're taking attention from Facebook, you're taking money So what they did was they said well if people are spending all this time on snapchat, we have to compete with that They have to be spending that time on our site not theirs. They did the same thing with YouTube the the most genius thing that they did was they created The theatrical mode video player where it blacks out your screen It only highlights the video. Mm -hmm. So nothing else is there to distract you and then the second smart genius thing that they did is the autoplay feature. Soon as your funny video oh, is yeah. next, yep. boom, another funny video. As soon as Gosh. your sports video is next, another funny video or no, another sports video. You don't even recognize video. it. You don't even recognize that that happens.
1: Well, the right. thing that always gets me too is I understand there's algorithms to where when you click stuff like with the way the internet works now, by the time you get back to Facebook, there's probably advertisements for birthing yes. draft kits. Yep. And how to give birth to drafts because yep. it took that. Yep. But what blows my mind is I understand when you type something in and search for it. When I see ads that I didn't search for anything, I talked about it. Mm-hmm. I talked about it in the vicinity. <laughs> I didn't even text anyone about it. It was verbal communication. Those ads start popping up. What's the logistics behind that? Because that's yeah. the one that blows my mind.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the one that scares everybody. Yeah, yeah. that's the,
1: where the FBI agent guy comes in where uh, yeah. you, we all joke about it, but at the same time, you're having conversations with the dude your camera, because you buy into it.
2: Yes, so um, my logic behind that one, and I haven't, you know, I, I don't want to like hire an attorney to read all of the paperwork yeah. that goes into the privacy policies, but my generic logic behind that is, like as an example, you guys use Facebook Messenger.
1: Mhm No, I'm not a fan of that just because I've heard some weird stuff about it. Yeah,
2: well, th- and that, and rightfully so, is when the first thing that you do, when you open up uh, messenger, before you can type your first message, what do they make you do? I don't know because I never signed up for it. <laughs> I would never get on it. But well, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. you you missed. It was probably just a reaction because we're so used and like programmed to just hit okay, accept, okay, accept. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. First thing they do is have you enable your microphone, and you think mm. if I ever want to send my friends a voice note, that's why they need my microphone. That's Scary. But in the <laughs> privacy policy, are they are they listening? Are they is it is it okay? Like think about Amazon Alexa or Google Home. Those things. are The their, in only your house. way, well, the only way that it can hear you say Alexa is if it's always listening yeah. for Alexa. But guess what? If it's always listening, what else does it hear? Everything. Gosh, that's so scary. Yeah, and by the were... way, that's another one too that people don't know. Like if I talk about pistachios and Alexa's right next to me, it's well, not going to activate Next time you're on it, Amazon, you're going to see pistachios, pistachios days. on sale. <laughs> absolutely, you will.
0: Um, I sort of want to go on this topic of branding and social media. Um, and I'm not going to lie, knew you are going to be on the show, Googled you, <laughs> articles upon articles, all great stuff though. Um, what you did was, I, before it was, okay, we were a business, now we need a social media platform. Mm-hmm. And you like changed the game and it was like, no, that social media is the business. Yep. And that's where the money is. And so people that are now seeing this opportunity that they can run a business all from this, this iPhone in my hand right here, and they can make. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars through it, just by this thing in my hand, um, with nothing. What do people that are trying to do that start their own brand, whether it's through social media, whatever, Instagram videos, YouTube? What advice would you have for them? What is one thing they need to be doing, or what is one thing that they shouldn't be doing that's going to kill them?
2: So, I am. With the tools that we have available today, yeah. I'm a big proponent of doing what I kind of accidentally did ten plus years ago. I like to reverse engineer things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What is what is your skill set? People ask me all the time, like how do I how do I make extra money or how do I be able to quit my job and like do what I love? Okay, what do you love? And you figure out what you love, and then figure out a way to make money. Figure out a way that people in your space that are in the space that you love, where are you spending your money in that space? So if you go to the gym six days a week, why are you not a personal trainer? Like, work out next to – to, you're getting paid to work out. Like, start a boot camp. Mm. You know, there's there's a lady in uh, Turlock, and um, she has a boot camp, and she just charges people like – 100 bucks a month and she does a boot camp like 10 times a month and she's like you can come to one of them or you can come to all of them as long as you pay the membership fee and oh yeah by the way you get 50 bucks off of your membership if you bring a friend so people are like selfishly bringing their friends so yeah. they can get half yeah. off their thing and i mean i from what i understood at the time she just started it out as a hobby but she was making three or four grand a week Jeez. and then she said well if i have all these people here and i'm having them do yoga poses during one point guess what Got my own yoga mats now. They're in the back. And guess what? Uh, everybody's coming up to me before, during, and after class and saying, you have so much energy. What pre-workout do you use? Or like your muscles look so nice. What, um, you know, what other supplements do you take? And then she started her own supplement line. And then people started to fall in love with her and her brand and what she became about. And then they, she started selling merch. So she has hats and towels and all this other stuff now. So what is, what is, how do you do that in your space? What things are you interested in like if you just did something for fun outside of work it was collecting baseball cards great go on eBay find uh, find old baseball cards then package them up and find all of the old you know Matt Williams cards and then bundle them up and resell them for a higher value or go to conventions and sell guides on like how to buy and sell cards at a higher value or or find other things in the hobby section about, mm-hmm. you know, how to authenticate comic book. Like there's just an endless amount of things. If you take your interest and then you figure out how are people in that space making money, or what void can I fill in that space where people are willing to pay, whether it's for convenience or assistance, service based, product based. It's just you have to reverse engineer that. So my advice would be to have a look at the things that you're already doing figure out how to monetize that space and then go out on social and build a following around it. And, and it's so easy when you're doing something that you like and enjoy to be authentic because people will fall in love with you. And that's where the guy who has 26,000 followers on YouTube, fixing Fords, like he didn't do that because someone, you know, put a gun to his head. He did it because he was going to do it anyways, whether he documented it or not. Yeah. And that, and that goes to show that no matter what your hobby is, even if it's playing video games, You know, some of these streamers, like Ninja on Fortnite, he's making a. I mean, he has to be making at least a million a month now.
1: Playing video games, playing video games easily, because that's that's hot right now. See the thing. Well, now that I am curious to build off of that, what's he got to do to stay relevant? Fortnite's not going to be around forever. I mean, it's probably what's going to happen to it is Halo. Like no one plays Halo anymore. If they do, it's not a large community. Yeah. Someone who's making money off streaming them just playing a video game. What? How do you stay relevant in that realm?
2: I actually had a a phone call with somebody yesterday, and, and staying relevant is one thing. But how do you set yourself up? How do you set yourself up beyond just you know continuing to make money playing video games? What he has to look at is what is my real business and it, 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 right now it's playing video games, which is a bad thing, like you're saying. It's not necessarily sustainable. He's good at other games, by the way. He's not just good at that oh, one. I believe so that, yeah. When, when, you know, the next game comes out, he can be good at that and he's going to yeah. play it. People like him and his attitude and his... He has a cool brand. He's got the colored hair. He's got, like, yeah, the, yeah. he has a cool name. Like, he has everything that fits into something that people would want to continue to follow. But to build a real business out of it what does he need to do first thing he needs to do is he needs to get other gamers under his belt and he needs to build an army of people that he manages and takes a piece of because guess what it's what all the it's what all the people in the music industry do it's like dr dre yeah cool you sold a bunch of music and you made a bunch of cool music but you know where he made most of his money the beats m&m Uh The people he signed, his company. Eminem. I mean, yeah, he made more money on Beats, but of course... (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, yeah. Making more money on his own music is all the other people that he signed to his label. Yeah. So why not start a gaming label? Why not start an eSports network? Why doesn't he not have his own brand of headphones? Why does he not have his own brain pill supplement company that sells focus pills? Those are the types of things. I mean, I had a call yesterday with somebody that that works with him, and uh, the discussion was about... Uh, Starting a music label as a gamer Why would you have a music label as a gamer Well because you can break new music If you have a YouTube channel or a Twitch channel And you Let's say you make a ninja clip compilation And it has 47 amazing clips That he did and the video is 20 minutes long If you create a custom Soundtrack for that and you break it Everybody's going to comment And they're going to say what's the song that's playing in the background Mm. that, That has me so hyped to watch your clips Well guess what the link's gonna be in the description. People are gonna find it on Spotify. They're gonna find it on Apple. And he is the label now. He's the music label that owns the publishing rights to the music that he's promoting and he's building up from scratch. So now all of a sudden you can break an artist just by playing video games. So you have to think of like, you know, you think of, for example, supermodels, this big, big, you know, discussion, same thing. How do you prevent yourself from being a model? That is hot, gets all the phone calls for all the bookings, and you're the Victoria's Secret, this and that, versus somebody like Kathy Ireland, for example. Kathy Ireland's a billionaire. Why? Because she built other businesses around her career while she was still relevant, because she knew one day the beauty will age, and I'm going to stop getting the same phone calls, so why not work with other models? Not Why not do products? Why not do all these different things? Why not create TV shows? Like, you have to be smart about what you're doing and you have to figure out how you're going to use your influence. Now, another example of, of what I'm talking about with, uh, with Ninja on the music side, uh, Danielle Brigoli, who was, you know, oh, yeah. famous yeah. from, you know, acting a fool on Catch the Dr. Outside, Phil right? show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Acting a fool on the Dr. Phil show. Well, it was funny then, but guess what? She found good management. They were very smart, and they said, "We're going to inst- now that we have everybody's attention, we're going to instantly rebrand you. Mm. We're not going to wait until this wears off. We're not going to wait until people stop caring. We're going to rebrand you now while they still care. Don't ever say, "Catch me outside again." Don't ever say any of your catchphrases again. Here's your new image. You're uh, an artist. And then what they did was they – one of the first things they did when they had a big following was they went out to a rapper, which was one of her, her favorite artists, Kodak Black. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people even knew who Kodak Black was. And behind the scenes, the guy, the guy who managed her, my buddy Adam, comes from the music space. And what he did was he went to her and he said, hey, listen, you have this huge influence right now. You're a fan of this guy. Let's reach out. Let's, let's build contact with him. They put her in the music video. And what they did was they said, why don 't we help you with your marketing efforts? why don 't we help you promote your album using our social because the whole world's attention is on us right now yeah. and they started a publishing um, company, so they own not just like they didn 't get paid, they got a piece of the entire album Jeez. from kodak Black Damn. so what they did was they they went to uh, they, they went to the extreme of owning a piece of the album and then they they helped the album rank like from you know around number 100 album to top 10 in a very short period of time. So now she's making music and guess what? She has, you know, I don't even know how many followers, 12, 13, 15 million. Now completely rebranded, hasn't said the phrase, hasn't tried to play it up and and uh You know, make shirts that say, Catch me outside. How about that? Like, there's no, that doesn't exist anymore. They just have this new image of this girl who's, you know, I hate to say Cardi B esque, but she's rapping and she's kind of like, she has that whole um, image. Mm -hmm. But you think about, okay, uh, rewind 12 to 18 months ago, everybody was making fun of her because she was this misbehaved 14 Mm -hmm. year old on uh, Dr. Phil. Fast forward twelve months to now, she's the first female artist to have three top one hundred Billboard songs at the same time since Shania Twain, or no wait, Leanne Rhimes. I'm sorry, yeah. since Leanne Rhimes twenty six years ago. Holy wow. shit!
0: With like yeah. little to no music experience. because of because
2: because of her. Because of her attitude and how she carries herself, and because of how smart they are with marketing, I mean, they even had a marketing piece around that. TMZ went up to her and asked her a question, and of course, I'm sure this was rehearsed and recited. They said, "Danielle, did you know?" And again, this just got more views and made it more public. Did you know that you're the first female artist to have three singles all in the top 100 at the same time since uh, Leanne Rhymes? And he's and she said, "Who the fuck is that? Is yes. that Buster Rhymes' sister?" <laughs> I'm just—it's
1: wild to me at Leanne Rimes. It's been 26 years since she was relevant. I'm mind blown by that fact. I mean, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's insane well, to me. I mean, and look, and and, and Danielle is replacing her in yeah. music, and she's crushing it. I mean, she made a song with uh, Lil Yachty. Uh-huh. I mean, she's completely relevant right now. She was nominated for Female Rap, like Female Hip Hop Artist of the Year. With and how old with is she? With Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. Isn't she like really young? It's Like 16, yeah. 17. I don't even That's know. That's
1: insane to me. Now, in regards to people that are like in that music industry in that platform, I'm curious to put on something. Um, Kanye, leading up to his recent album launch, I feel like he, the whole month previous to June, obviously mm-hmm. that's May. I don't know why I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> he was just going wild on yeah. Twitter, and there's some parts where it's like, okay, that's Kanye being Kanye, but there were other parts on the outside. You're like, okay, this is like a little more than normal. Is that just him acting out having an episode, or was there? Do you think intention in regards to building up? The hype of Kanye again and getting his name back in your mouth right before he launches an album strategy behind his management team was that what it was you think or he's literally just acting out? Well,
2: I don't think there's any management team for That's him. That's true. For, yeah. it's him. I, don't, I think it's, yeah. it's it's him. Yeah. But um, I mean, he does admit that he has a personality disorder, so I'm not sure what specifically is happening or what what truths are behind that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but of course, of course, it's a strategy to. You know, deploy more attention towards his album. Of course, any anybody does that, he just does it a different way than anybody else. Yeah. And in fact, the things that he was saying, I believe, were some way strategically done mm-hmm. because in he's rapping about the stuff that he talked about before the album promotion. So when you're saying like. He's saying, I wore the Make America Great Again hat in the album. It came out one week after he said that. Yeah. That can't be coincidence. He's talking about, uh, you know, I, I said slavery was oh, a yeah. choice. He says that in the song. So did he make the song after? Did he make the song during that statement? Uh, of course, it all ties in together. And he has some messaging behind what he meant and why he said it. But again you know, you're building up hype. It's that him doing that again, regardless of what his mental state is, um, behind the scenes, it's no different than Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, you know, talking trash to each other. It's no different than to, you know, it's no different than a 24 seven on on a, on a pay-per-view fight. It's the same exact thing, but how, how do you, there is no opponent in music. I mean, you can't have a rap battle, right? It's like, Pusha T and Drake, like, why did Pusha <laughs> yeah. T get involved in that in the first place? Because he had an album out. Yeah, like, there's no, there's no other way to explain it. Um, it, it, it's no different than anything else. Is like, you can garner attention. I mean, this you have to, you have to be creative now. You can't just put up a billboard and a bus stop sign and be like, new album coming soon. That's aged. Yeah. Instead, what you do is you. You say slavery was a choice, and you know which is obviously super, super extreme and yeah, ridiculous. Exactly. But you you say that, and then you throw a bonfire party in Wyoming for your lunch party instead of a skyscraper in New York. Yeah, like that's where Kanye did it. He just the the sound system went out because they didn't even have circuit breakers that were capable of managing the power that they needed to throw the listening party. Wow, like that was obviously a disaster. But to throw the party in Montana and say instead of talking about it and be like, oh, I heard Kanye's album listening party was in, you know, like Nas did his in New York where yeah. you would expect him to and yeah. everybody's wearing a suit and tie, but Kanye did his in Wyoming and it just got more attention because he did it in Wyoming and it it flopped uh, with the sound and the power and whatever. Like that's just, who cares? That's more attention. More authentic almost. I mean, it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's unique because that's not what you expect for a hip hop album.
1: <laughs> um, Kind of just to close up, I'm going to go full circle with two different things. Uh, first is I want you to touch on that Dave Chappelle story because you brushed on how you had that name uh, for your Twitter account, and that eventually you don't have the account anymore. Do you? No. Okay.
2: They took the username away. They verified it, and then they gave it to Dave.
1: And so I, but I feel like there. not I feel like I know there was a story behind Dave Chappelle realizing that he can't have his own name on Twitter when he first tried to. Um, in regards to it was on a talk show, correct?
2: Yeah, it was on. Uh, he was on Jimmy Fallon. So, yeah, uh, it was a long five or six minutes. But the only thing that anybody needs to know about that is that Dave Chappelle called me hilarious. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's I'm just kidding. That's uh, your well, motivation. He, for he did. The rest of life. He did call me hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But uh, essentially, he he went to go uh, get his username, and he's like, "I noticed it was already taken." And I started to read all the tweets, and the guy was hilarious, <laughs> and uh, they were all my original jokes. So obviously, I'm very proud of that. Um, <laughs> But yeah he he tried to get his own username and there was uh you know I was starting I thought it was cool because I would start fake beef with uh other celebrities That's and so funny. stuff like that I was always tweeting you know Chris Brown and I was, oh, was yeah, 10, yeah. like <laughs> NFL players and like just, I was just talking trash to anybody because if they actually responded, it would just garner more, attention. Traffic. Yeah. more traffic. It's more traffic. It's the same thing that we're talking about with, you know, with Kanye's statements before the album release I was doing back in the day with Dave Chappelle's page. Yeah. It's like because what happened was the media started covering it. I didn't realize that it was that powerful, but hip world star, hip hop media takeout, like I said something about Cat Williams and it was on the cover of every news outlet and that's why the page grew Damn. so fast because you have you know insane Dave Chappelle in air quotes yeah. insane Dave Chappelle going off on rants and talking about anybody and everybody that'll listen and uh that's the way that I garnered attention at that point was kind of causing drama around that so I never got a chance to meet Dave yet but oh, I think that's that there's was ask. there well no there there's uh there has to be something to do there um he thinks i'm hilarious that's all i care about yeah, that's, that's your icebreaker right <laughs> yeah. there. um
0: well brandon thank you so much dude just for hanging out with us. and my mind is somewhat blown and like in shock right now just of all the education that i just got yeah, honestly that's what it was oh, i feel like it was took a course <laughs> holy smokes but dude thank you so much for yeah, hanging out with us for sure
2: and if people want to follow along i post uh about my son a lot um yeah i post a lot of a vegan food out? yeah uh You know, talk about business, uh, our events, and a bunch of cool stuff. And I mean, people reach out to me all the time and I respond because I, you know, I I definitely am open to helping and listening and giving advice and stuff like that as well. I'm at money on Instagram and Snapchat and then at CEO on Twitter.
1: Um, I know you mentioned that you do have a podcast in the works. Do you have a name of it yet? If anyone wants to eventually listen, just completely follow along on Instagram or whatever. Or do you have a route currently? And a time or anything like that.
2: Yeah, so the beginning stages of our show is is underway for production and will probably launch mid-July. Cool. Uh, but the show is called Money Hour.
1: Money Hour. I love that. Oh, also, sick. too, stay tuned and follow his stuff because the man knows a little bit about something you may have heard of called Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So if you're trying to get educated on that, continue continue just to follow him. And remember, it's at money, and it's literally what it is, money. Um, Twitter is at CEO and it's you think you know someone actually has that handle yes he has that handle that's real life go check him out um thank you again brandon i really appreciate this completely rock conversation i doubt we'll edit any of this oh no yeah we're just gonna stop (laughs) and post it but yeah everyone thank you
0: for listening um seriously means a lot um we love you guys and like i always say just be nice to people care for one another one another um and just be good people we love you guys we'll see you later Thank thank you I love you, man. I love you too, bud. I love you, dude. I love you, bro Montana. I love
1: you, Holmes. I love you, Bruce of quibbles I love you, Machacha. I love you, Tico Brohe.